are going to read the story of Christ's baptism from the Gospel Luke. And it is found in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 we will begin with, and then we'll read the actual baptism in verses 21 through 22. You are welcome to follow along. The people were filled with expectation, and everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ. John, the Baptist, replied to them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husks is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn." But he will burn the husks with the fire that cannot be put out. When everyone was being baptized, Jesus also was baptized. While he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit came down on him in bodily form like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my Son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. The word of God for the people of God, and let us say together, thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Almighty God, I thank you for the way that you speak to us. You speak to us in so many ways, and we come to your scripture, and we ask that you speak to us through the words that we read, through the words that we hear, through the thoughts and contemplations that we have. I ask that you speak through my message, that in spite of me, you speak, and that in spite of ourselves, we hear. And may all that we do at this time be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock, and you are our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to tell the story of the baptism, but we're going to start with something else. Because we're beginning a new series today. We can now officially look back at Christmas 2018. It's done. It's over. Some of you, your sigh was, oh, it's finally, it's over, right? All the busyness. Does anyone have any Christmas celebrations yet to be celebrated? We had one person in the first service. You do? It's still going. It's still going. That's, that's a wonderful thing. But we look in the liturgical calendar. We've changed our color to green because we're now in ordinary time, as we call it. And we are going to now look back to help us look forward. And so we think back on Christmas and all that it was, and we think about all the meals we had, and we think about all the gifts that we opened, and that other people opened, And it's always fun, isn't it? Christmas is fun. Do you remember Christmas as a kid? Do you remember how much fun Christmas was as a kid? For me, it was just counting down the days as they drug by slowly until Christmas Eve when I was so excited I was going to jump out of my skin. And then that night I couldn't sleep. I would just lay there and roll around and my parents had to keep saying, stay upstairs, don't come downstairs because I didn't want to ruin anything that was going on as they prepared things for food and stuff for the next morning, as we set out cookies for Santa, as we waited for all the magic that was going to happen. And then Christmas morning came, and I was bouncing down the stairway, ready to see all that I was going to see. And it was exciting. And we now try to create that for our kids, don't we? And we, we treasure this time in that moment of waiting, waiting for that gift. Do any of you have the gift? Have you seen the movie A Christmas Story where the holy grail of Christmas gifts is a Red Ryder BB gun for him? Do you have your own gift that you remember as a kid that was kind of monumental, 
the gift that you look back to. For me, it was a Nintendo Entertainment System, the original. Yeah, I'm that old. It was something I looked for, forward to for years, and I finally got it, and I opened it up, and I danced for joy because I had a Nintendo, and it was exciting, and I couldn't wait to play all the games. And as much joy as that brought me, I was really looking forward to calling my friend, Drew, and saying, I got a Nintendo. What'd you get? You know, and we'd talk about what we got, not competitively, but just we were excited to share our gifts, and then we'd arrange how we're going to get together to play the Nintendo and do all the things that we'd done, and, and the joy of the gift really came after in the sharing. Yes? And I think back to these gifts, and I wonder if when it was that uh, I started getting more excited about giving the gift than receiving the gift. Maybe some of you have transitioned. Maybe some of you haven't. I'm not here to judge. But we, uh, I now I'm kind of equally excited. I, I realize the impact of gifts, and they can be extraordinary, extraordinarily wonderful. We're going to spend the next eight weeks walking through Scripture and the understanding of gifts that God's given us, that we're given as members, as individual members, that we're given as a church body, and all that it means. And these are what we're going to call greater gifts because they're much greater than anything we could wrap up. Um, some of you here are sensing that life has a greater purpose than what you currently experience. Anybody with me? Thirsting, and you're hungry. And God, what else is there? Bring it to me. I, I want to know. And you may be like a kid, just so excited for what God has next. And I hope so, because that's what the life of faith is supposed to be all about. If you think you've arrived while you have received life, there's so much more. And some of you, you've been waiting to say yes to God your whole life. You've been waiting and you've been holding back, but you haven't said it. Some of you have said yes and are now seeking to continue that growth, and we're kind of all in the middle of that. The next four weeks, we're going to focus on the gifts of God and the church, the greater gifts. And today we're going to hold the words, you are beloved in our hearts. In our four Gospels, all four, we find a story of Jesus' baptism. That alone brings lots of questions, yes? All tell it differently. All emphasize different elements. All include similarities about the Holy Spirit's descending upon Jesus and then God offering the words, you are my son whom I dearly love, and you I am well pleased. It's a beautiful scene, and if you imagine it, you picture that scene, seeing the Spirit in bodily form like a dove descending, and in one of the Gospels, everyone hears the proclamation, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. We have hope in this image because Jesus, Jesus experiences the gift that we all experience as well. And we have hope because we know in our baptism it is confirmed. The love of God is confirmed upon us. And that love of God, was it already there for Jesus? Or did God just start loving Jesus in the baptism when he said, you are beloved? Are you awake? Is the love of God precede you and your awareness and your baptism? Did, God, did God's love precede that? Everybody nod your head. If you're not sure, I'll, I'll guide you. Nod your head. Yes. The, the Spirit of God's always been present. In our Wesleyan faith, we call this provenient grace. It's a weird word, provenient. It means that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the love of God was upon us before we ever realized it. That God 
is so loving, loves us before we even realize there is God. And the Spirit is working in us and around us through people to guide us, to call us, to find us. It's this wonderful grace that God gives us, which is why we baptize infants. We baptized my daughter this morning, Audrey. We baptize her before she has any capacity to understand because we know God is already working in her life. Isn't that amazing? Sorry, maybe as a dad, I'm just a little extra sensitive to this wonderful thing this morning. But we find hope in this holy affirmation. The questions we find about Luke's telling of the baptism are many. And I'll just offer you a few, and I'm not going to answer them because it's just fun. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why was John, the one who baptizes in the other Gospels, and yet in Luke, John's in prison when Jesus is said to be baptized? Yeah, you chew on that one for a while. Why did Luke place the baptism after John's imprisonment? What is the meaning of the arrival of the Spirit on Jesus? Did Jesus not have the Spirit before? You like these questions? Maybe. I'm not going to answer them yet. Another time. Today we're going to focus on what precedes the baptism and the image that John offers of what baptism is, and then we're going to focus on the truth of the baptism itself. We begin today's reading with the people were filled with expectation. The people were filled with expectation. Can we identify with people being filled with expectation of what God might be doing particularly in this situation with John. They wondered, is he the Christ? Now, like a child on Christmas morning, the people were awaiting the action of God through a Messiah. And they were waiting for a king to come, that type of Messiah, like David, who would lead Israel to a glorious battle, that they would no longer be an oppressed people. This is what they were waiting for. Let's be clear. They craved liberation, and they were always looking for who might be the one to lead them. John was a wonderful candidate. Let's consider John's qualifications. He was not a part of any of the political systems of the day. He was uncorrupted. He was proclaiming the coming of God's kingdom. That'll really get your blood pumping, won't it? He was receiving people in baptism in this ritual similar to what soldiers would go through before they went to war. They would be ritually cleansed. And he was pronouncing the justice of God upon the land and its rulers. If you think about it through this lens, John was an excellent candidate of someone they think maybe he is going to lead us. So everyone was coming out to receive the baptism and be a part of what God was doing through John. They were excited in this pregnant moment of anticipation. But John disappointed them all. He says... I baptize you with water, but one's coming way more powerful than me. So there's the disappointment, but also the excitement. I'm going to baptize you with water, and he's going to baptize you with the Spirit and fire. But not upon the land and its enemies. Within your hearts and souls. To change you. To change us to bring us into an entirely new life, an entirely new understanding, an entirely new way to see the world, to see each other, to see God, an entirely new way of being a human being, being a child of God, being a friend, a neighbor, a son, a daughter, father, a mother, an entirely new way. 
the Spirit would bring us into the church, as we call it, which we also say is the very body of Christ. Is that not an amazing image of hope? We're offered a gift. Now, he offers it in this interesting image, and I want to walk through it. He talks about the sifting shovel and the wheat and the husks and the chaff. Does anyone, you know how they separated all that in their day? They would go outside and they would fling it in the air and the wind would blow away the husks and the chaff and the wheat would fall. So is Jesus with the shovel the one separating things? Not in this image. In this image, it's the wind. And another image for wind or another word literally in the scripture is spirit. Jesus flips us up all around, upside down, and the Spirit does its work if we let it. Interesting image, isn't it? John's going to baptize with water. Jesus is going to fling you in the air and let the Spirit do its work, more or less. I know, it's funny. It's a funny image. We're offered the gift of this kind of grace. We can't earn the gift of the Spirit. Can we earn it? For those who don't know, nope. Will you ever be able to earn it? Are you asked to earn it? We're merely asked to accept it. That's what a gift is. You don't ask the person you give a gift to to earn the gift. You give it because you want to give it. And God wants to give us the greatest gifts. But we have to accept. That means you've got to let your life be flipped around in the air that the Spirit can do its work. And that's not easy. That means we have to be willing to let go of anything that doesn't belong and be willing to understand that we may not know what doesn't belong yet, that God may reveal that to us. The process begins in baptism, but it continues throughout the rest of our lives. At least that's the invitation. I saw a beautiful story on Facebook this morning of a bus driver who spotted a young toddler running in the cold city street in a onesie. Just wandering around, lost, unattended to, in very real danger next to the street, running on the sidewalk. So the bus driver stopped the bus, and through various video angles of the bus, you could see her running across the street and scooping up the toddler, and then carrying him back to the bus, where I'm sure it was a little warmer, and as she's holding the child and, and safely protecting him and punching in numbers, I'm assuming calling someone, a lady from the back of the bus comes forward, taking off her coat and wrapping it around the child, and she just sat and warmed the child and kind of rocked and talked to him. Of course, it's just video, no audio. We don't know what she's saying. And at one point, she kisses the child's head. And it was just a moving image of the love that can be there. If we're looking, and I don't know the life of this boy. I'm not judging his parents because I've been the one to realize the back door was open. And where did she go? All right. I've been there. Anyone else with me? You've been through the frantic and terrible moment of not knowing where your child is. But I think about the boy and his reality of the moment. Because kids are always in the moment. They're really good at that. In the moment, cold, alone, scared, confused. And then suddenly a stranger comes and scoops him up, protects him, warms him, talks to him, kisses him. What an image. Now, we see people like this all the time, don't we? wandering around in the cold of the world. We know what it's like to experience it too. 
Have you been there? Through the uncertainty, through the fear, through the separation, the confusion, the loneliness. And we could compare stories and maybe say whose is worse, but that's, that's pointless. I saw, it, I saw it posted. There's so much wisdom on Facebook. I saw it posted that it doesn't matter if it's seven inches of water or 20 feet, it, can, it has the power to take your life. That comparing the depth does nothing. Have we all experienced the worst day of our life? Yeah, we have. We have. We know what it's like. And I think about this boy, and I think about our lives and what I've been through and the people that came to scoop me up to protect me and let me know that I was loved. And I think about this boy, and I think about the people that are in our community, the people right across the street, the people in these houses here and in those houses there who are wandering and don't know. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying they don't know. They may look at the church and the message they get from the church is anything but you are beloved. It may be, well, tell me about your life and I'll tell you if you actually belong. Or it may be, you better say the right things or God's going to throw you into a fire and you're going to burn forever. Heard this stuff. Now, we're going back to the image. It's flinging our lives so that the things that don't belong go away and are disposed of because they're no good. The good in us remains, and that's the same case for everyone. We just need someone to come and say, you are beloved, and in you I find happiness. You are my creation. You are a human being. You were made in my image. You were always meant for fullness of life. That has been the truth since the dawn of everything. It is the truth today. It will be the truth tomorrow. We have a God who entered the world, who embraced us in our pain, who walks in our darkness, who battled our temptation, who dealt with our sin, who led us on a better path to love us, to protect us, to offer the holy kiss of the Holy Spirit, to say to us, you are beloved. I'm so grateful that I have been blessed to hear this message. There are many who have not. We can now live a life of anticipation of all God has yet to do in our lives and in our world. And isn't that exciting? It is. It's good news. Jesus Christ fills us with the Holy Spirit, fills us with the fullness of life, fills us with the presence of God, fills us with all good things if we but let him. We've got to make room. Some of the stuff doesn't belong. Amen? And some of the stuff that doesn't belong, we sure like it. And we may even be convinced that it's of God, but we've never actually given ourselves over to Christ to see if it really is, to be flung, to let things go that maybe shouldn't have been there in the first place. We serve a great God with a great truth of good news. Those of us who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, not our own, will be fed. Amen? Those of us who mourn are comforted. Those of us who are humble are blessed. Those of us who operate in a life of mercy, we receive mercy. Those of us who have pure hearts, which means you are solely focused on God and God alone, we see God. And all of us who have received the gifts of God, 
and call our friends and bring the gift to its fullness of joy when we share it. This is always meant to be shared. God has so much more to show you. God has so much more to show us. Jesus Christ longs to fill us again and again and again with more and more and more to make us more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit has so much more joy and peace and love and goodness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control to bring into your life. If you but let it. Will you lay down your life today, and maybe it's for the first time, to receive the way of Jesus Christ and say yes to it? Or maybe offer yourself again in a new way. Consider that maybe you have more to show me, God. Maybe I haven't figured it all out yet. Maybe there's still more that I need to let go of. Will you say, what's next, Jesus? I'm ready. Will you say, come, Holy Spirit, bring your wind and fire and burn away what doesn't belong so that more life can grow? Will you accept the claim of God that you are God's beloved son? You are God's beloved daughter. You are beloved. You are beloved. You are beloved. And go and spread the word to everyone else. They may just need someone to notice to get down from what they're doing and scoop them up and tell them some truth. Mm-hmm.